Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, second chapter. We're going to begin in verse 14 and go through 18. It's found on page 1165 in your pew Bible. Again, that's Paul's letter to Philippians chapter 2, 14 through 18. Paul writes, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Here ends the reading of the Holy Word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this past week, we were celebrating Thanksgiving, the, the one day in the year that as Americans, we set aside all of the meaningless stuff and the things that we've collected and, the, and, and all of the other entrapments of our lives. And we focus on what's really important, turkey and football, right? No, it's when we focus and we, and we give thanks and remember that family and friends and those gathered around a table that fills with love is, is, is the, what we're really thankful for, that we hold on to it. You know, one day out of 365, we say, put the rest of the stuff that aside and let's focus on what's important. My family and I, we were blessed enough to be able to fly out to Texas to go see her parents and my parents and spend time there. And it was wonderful. I got to take plenty of naps uh, because there's other people watching my small kids. And, and we had such a good time. We even brought the kids back with us. Um, uh, and so we're thankful for that. And, and it was a really good time to spend with family. But as we traveled, we said, we're traveling to Texas and then we're coming back home. See, three years ago, we sold our home in Texas and began our journey out here and how quickly out here has become home and Texas is out there for us now. And I'm just so grateful for all of you that have become our family and friends. You know, while I was away from you by a thousand miles over Thanksgiving, I gave thanks to the Lord for each and every one of you. And so um, you bring me joy. And then Paul here, he writes that, you know, Thanksgiving is not a single day of the year. He, he writes here in verse one, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Essentially, he's saying do everything in your life without complaining. Now, there's some research done on complaining and how it affects our lives in in a journal, an academic journal of psychology, they did a study a number of years ago in which they interviewed people that on their moods. And then they had someone go in and complain to them. 
And then they interviewed him again on their moods after hearing the complaints. And to no one's surprise, the moods of the people who heard the complaints was worse after listening to someone complain than it was beforehand. Now, they also talked to the people who went in to complain and interviewed them before and after as well, and they found the same result in the people who complain that when you complain, that it's not just to get off your chest and then you'll feel better, but that the people actually felt worse and were in a worse mood even after they complained and got it off of their chest. And that it, it does something deep and psychological with our brains when we complain. It, it begins to make a, a nerve structures that connect one thing to another. And then the more we complain, the closer those nerves become and the stronger it becomes. And then more and more we begin to see things in a negative light. And our first instinct is to complain about what is or isn't there. In another study, they, they found people who are considered chronic complainers. And they followed them around and studied their lives and saw that chronic complainers, on average, have fewer friends and family, close friends and family, than those who are not chronic that they have a smaller circle around them. And then that even those people that are around them also tend to be chronic complainers themselves. And thus, as you can see, it begins this swirling cycle of negativity all around you of complaints and grumbling and disputing, and it just feeds into one another. And no one ever feels better about themselves because always someone is complaining. And then they studied that the venting, we're sometimes you're like, I just got to vent. And we've heard, don't bottle it up, let it out, right? That's what we've been told. Just let it out. Go tell someone how you, when you vent. And oftentimes in venting, we're not looking for a solution. We're merely looking for sympathy of a situation. But in venting, in, in this, this mode of just explosive complaining that comes all at once, they found again that the mood was decreased after getting it off your chest so it doesn't actually make you feel better to vent. This is science. It's what it tells us. And, and Paul here is saying, do all things without grumblings or disputing, to do all things without complaining. Now, to give a bit of context as to what Paul is talking about here, we have to go back to verse 12. And in verse 12, he writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Now, this isn't go and work to earn your salvation. It's now that you have come to faith in Jesus Christ and received grace, go and work out your salvation as in go and work out your obedience to Christ. And he says, and do all things without grumbling or disputing, do all things without complaining. That we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Luke writes in his gospel, in the gospel of Luke, 23rd chapter. If you were here last Sunday, we went over it, that there was a thief on the cross and he turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, today, truly I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. 
It's not paradise because we have everything we want and everyone we like. It's paradise because Jesus is there. And that paradise with all of our stuff and no Jesus isn't paradise. But paradise with just Jesus and nothing else is still paradise. Because we get Jesus. Paul here is writing to the church in Philippi and reorienting their lives, not to be focused on complaining and grumbling and disputing and the negativity that swirls around from the crooked generation in which they live. But he's saying, do all things without complaining because, as he says in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Proving that God does actually love each and every one of us. See, he sets it up right there in the, in the reorientation of how we have perspective on this life we've been given, this new life in Christ. He says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners and what we deserved was death, what we deserved was punishment for our sins against God. God sent Jesus to die on the cross and atone for our sins. He satisfied God's justice and we received unmerited grace, grace we did not earn, grace we did not deserve, grace that was not due to us, but what was owed us was death. And it proves that God does actually love each and every one of us. It says, but while we were yet sinners. It's this perspective, work out your own salvation. While you were yet sinners, you received this unmerited grace. Now go and do all things without complaining, without grumblings, without disputing. And Paul doesn't mix words here. He says, do all things. He doesn't say, go do your church things. He doesn't say, go do your Christian things. He says, do all things in all of your life without grumbling, without disputing, without complaining. Because the perspective is you have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, all the sufferings and circumstances in the world can mount up. But you still have Jesus. You still have the reward. You still get God. You have salvation at your hand. And by that, you rejoice. Because everything here is but temporary. And everything yet to come with Jesus is eternal. Do all things without complaining. See, there was this monk one time who went and joined a monastery and he took a vow of silence. And with all the monks that take a vow of silence, there's an there's a admin there, like an administrative monk that does the office clerical work. I guess they still have phones they've got to answer. And, and they check in with the monks who take the vow of silence every five years. And he checked in with this one monk after five years and he said, well, how are things going? And he just simply said, food is bad. Five years later, they checked in with him again and said, how are things going? And he said, my bed is hard. And then five years later, they check in with him once more and he says, that's it, I'm out. I quit, I'm no longer part of this. And the administrative, administrator turned to him and said, good, all you've done for 15 years is complain. Paul says, do all things without 
complaining and he tells us why. He goes, because you are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We can look in the world around us and see plenty of things we can grumble and complain and have disputes about. But he says in Christ Jesus, we're called to live apart from those. Even though we're in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, he says, because among that generation, you who are in Christ Jesus are the lights of the world. Jesus said a similar thing back in his sermon on the mount. He said, you're a city on a hill. You will go and be my light to the darkness. Work out your salvation, your obedience to Christ. See, when we begin this complaining cycle, this grumbling cycle, this disputing cycle, things around us start turning darker. Start turning more negative. But when we start being thankful, when we start remembering at our very core, no matter what is around us, we have been given Jesus. We weren't owed Jesus. We didn't deserve Jesus, but we have been given Jesus, unmerited grace. See, Paul is on to something. When we begin to be thankful, things around us begin to get a bit brighter. The world and the people around us shine with bigger smiles. It's no happenstance that happy people complain less than everybody else. Paul says, Joyful people have Christ. And he, he goes on and tells us how, to, how do we maintain being lights in this world? How do we avoid falling into this complaining? He says it in the very next, right after the comma here in verse 16, he says, holding fast to the word of life. The word of life, as we know, is Scripture. The very word of God that we hold in our hands, that we have access to, that he says, hold fast to it, remain in it, abide in it, stand in it, read it every day, soak it up. And it, in doing so, we remember that we are children of wrath and sons and daughters of disobedience, that while we were yet sinners deserving death, Christ came and died for us so that we may not receive punishment, but we receive grace. We get God. And so he says, rejoice. Again, I tell you to rejoice. See, recently in staff meeting, we were going over scriptures that we hold on to during times of trouble or, or times that are trying, and we were sharing these different scriptures, and, and most of the staff gravitated towards Psalms, but Kathy Hopkins, our, our children and families director, gravitated towards what she called the RPG scripture, the rocket-propelled grenade. And I said, there's a rocket-propelled grenade in the scripture? I hadn't heard of it. But sure enough, there is, she said. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 16, it says, Rejoice 
always pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. RPG. And if you notice here when Paul again writes to a church, to the believers, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for those in Christ Jesus. He says, in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, but in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, we as Christians are still able to give thanks and rejoice because we have Jesus. We have Jesus. As we sang our second song this morning, it, it was my, my prayer is that my legacy is that my heart is crying out so that all of those I love will love my Jesus. Because having Jesus as what we behold, as at our very core, knowing what we were, we were yet sinners, but Christ died for us. Proving God does love us. And Paul says, rejoice. Again, I tell you, rejoice. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, after this week of giving thanks for family and friends around us, we are grateful that you have prepared a sanctuary for us to come and praise you in which we can give thanks to you for Jesus Christ who took on our sins so that we would not know God's wrath, but we would only know God's love. Lord, may we remember in our hearts that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, that his love never fails. And at our very core, may we be grounded in giving thanks to you. For we know that you are most glorified when we are most satisfied in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.